Welcome, everybody. I am Matt Mascarinas, your host for the Outdoor Ed Podcast. I am joined today by Brad Peterson of Brad Peterson Outdoors. Brad, how's it going? Going great, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. We just finished up a live feed, a live session. Um, and uh, if you want to view that, you want to see that, go to uh, the Facebook page, Outdoor Ed Facebook page, and you can watch that live feed from there. Um, and uh, I'm going to be doing that now whenever I have guests come on. Uh, I'm going to have go live before, kind of do a little pre-podcast live feed, and then I'm going to get right into it with the guest. We're also recording on video too, so if you haven't looked at our YouTube channel, please go to our YouTube channel. It's Outdoor Ed TV, and um, I will put all that stuff in the show notes uh, after I get done when I send it off tomorrow. So if you want to see a video of uh, Brad and I sitting down here chatting, we, we, showed, we showed you some lures uh, that were uh, b- brand new, unveiled, unveiled at iCast, and uh, check that on live feed. But you know, we might even show you here too on the camera. But we got a lot of other stuff that we're going to kind of go over here too. So, without further ado, Brad, um, again, thanks for joining me. And you got a lot of stuff going on. You're a busy guy. It's it's been a crazy summer, that's for sure. <laughs> I think the last time we actually were saw each other was sitting on Cherry Creek at the spring at the icebreaker. At the icebreaker, getting our butts kicked. I mean, that was, uh, oh, man. We were talking about that, too, before, about how Cherry Creek is. And Cherry Creek, Colorado, we're talking about Cherry Creek Lake and Cherry Creek Reservoir in uh, Aurora, Car- Parker, Colorado, what, what, somewhere, like, right around that, on that line there. But we were talking about how that lake kicks our butt. The, the only reason why we go there is to have fun, try to win a tournament. Yeah, and you try know, to catch that that unicorn fish that well it's the bill mueller invitational because everyone else <laughs> you ain't is, kidding everyone else is basically going for second place <laughs> you ain't kidding man you know and if you looked recently bill got a new boat i think that was paid from winnings just from that uh, event just from that just just from that event the past, the past what four or five years i think they've been either one or two yep. uh, on one or both days you know yeah and then not to mention the wyoming walleye stuff that they win out there they go and dominate those series so yeah, you know it's, they're it's a really that time of year it's a very fickle lake yeah. it takes a you really have to get dialed in on that trolling presentation both speed depth everything and, it, it and then it's some you know a little bit of luck because i know saturday i bet you we went through 60 fish but we only had one fish that was 18 inches yeah and i talked to some guys on sunday who i don't think caught eight fish all day but they hit a school of nice sized fish and went through them, and they either got three or four keepers in a twelve minute period. Yeah, but they didn't catch nearly the amount. No, the and they, they just happened to hit a school that was really yeah. actively feeding. They went through, popped a double, came back around, caught a third one, and you know they were good to go. And so this time of year, I can go out there and catch them on that lake. Will you know, you, fall you know? time of year, yeah. I love catching yep. them. But that time of year, it's um, it's one that is a challenge for me and and i like i like the challenge yeah it's it, it is a challenge and it, it's fun like you said you get to sit in, in a talk we, we we go by each other say hey, hey zero you know whatever you know head down i we just i mean we, we 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 ran into you guys we just lost a big one and right at the net that would have been our that would have been our saving grace there and we lost a big one at the net but yeah like the same thing like like you said like on saturday we caught a lot of fish no keepers sunday we didn't catch as many fish as saturday but the fish that we did catch were closer to being keepers than the ones we caught on Saturday. So we were kind of getting closer to that, to finding the right school, getting on top of the right fish. So, but it, it's, yeah, it's, 
and the, and it's the Cherry Creek is just one of those deals where I mean I don't I don't like that lake to be honest with you just because of the traffic it gets. I that's the only time I'll fish that lake, and then I won't even go near it because of the because of the boat traffic that it gets. I, I can't stand it. You know I don't mind the boat traffic because actually in that lake, yeah, I grew up down in Littleton, so I fished it a lot growing up. And I like the boat traffic because the boat traffic created a lot of mud lines, particularly it on does. those flat, hot summer days like we're having right now. And so where other lakes, you may the fish may be a little bit more lethargic. When you start getting that mud line getting created, all of a sudden those fish become a lot more active. And you can, if you go out for three hours in the evening, it's a small enough lake that you can cover a lot of it or at least have looked at it and feel like you gave it a good effort. Yeah. So, you know, I've always enjoyed the lake. Now the big thing for me is it's not boat traffic. I live up north in the traffic getting <laughs> down to the lake. That's the part I, that I don't like. I don't know. I don't know which is worse. And like like, like you said, that uh, creates those, those mud lines, and, and it stirs up the bait fish in, in lakes like that. It stirs everything up. But what it also stirs up is my, my temper. That's why I stay away from it because I I can't I can't handle I I just can't handle I don't want I I don't I want to I want to I don't want to say 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 words say bad words or anything then turn the podcast into an explicit podcast but I cannot stand those jet skiers and I cannot stand those wakeboarders they drive me freaking crazy so I stay the heck away from Cherry Creek especially and uh, that's just me that's just me but yeah I know that it uh, is what it is it is what it is yeah it is it. I, if they're respectful, I don't mind them. But I think there's a lot of them that are. Um, there's a lot of them that are. They just never had experience with boat, and maybe we're never exposed to what you need to do and understand that, you know what, when you're fishing, you need to give them a little space. Common sense. When, it's when common out, sense. You know, jumping around, it's not so much. And I think that's why you like fishing bar. I like fishing oh, I lone tree. Yeah, bar lone you tree. You know, lawn haggler. Those lakes when it gets real busy. Um, well, bars turning nice into a zoo option. too now. The boat ramp's getting crazy there too. But, but yeah, it's it is great to have that option. You can get out there, you can avoid those jet skiers, you can avoid the the, the wake boats. So, so yeah, tournament angling. We talked a little bit about yep. tournament angling. That's one of the things you do. You do fish. You fish the the Colorado uh, Walleye Association. The you fish. You fish some Wyoming stuff. Fish some Wyoming. I fish the Nebraska MWC. maybe. Um, you ever fish Nebraska stuff? I fished events, Colorado events in Nebraska. Um, I fished way back when. I fished a few events in Minnesota. I even fished one up the Golden Walleye Classic on Lesser Slave Lake in Alberta, Canada. Oh wow! Twenty-six hours straight drive up oh, there. Oh yeah! Oh uh, yeah! It's a that's a good one. Yeah, I bet. about three hundred and fifty teams or so in it. Holy smokes! It was the way. This was back in the nineties, but it was set up the way a lot of the bass tournaments are now. Everyone fished the first two days, but only the top 50 fished day three. Yeah. So if you weren't in the top 50, you drove a long distance to not stand a chance <laughs> of getting any money. You went into a different country. Yes, I went into a different country. <laughs> oh, but it was fun. It was a good experience to get up there it, and fish It was a really good time. Uh, it was, you know, it's a big, big body of water, and so it was different. But, you know, we did pretty good. We were missing out on a few... We lost one big bite, but uh, I think we ended up 27th at the event, and we were less than a pound and a half out of fifth place. Oh, that's not bad. No. Oh. So it was really tight, 
and everyone else had kicker fish. We just had a better average. I, I think we went 12.92, 12.78, and 12.69 for three days. We just never had that fish that put us gave us a 14-pound bag on one day, that, or 15 pounds. That, that, that kicker fish, But, yeah. you know, that's tournament fishing. That is tournament fishing, yeah. And that's, I, I would love to experience tournament fishing more. The only time I've done it is walleye-wise now is um, is the CWA, right. Colorado Walleye Association. I have a blast doing that there, but, you know, and, and my partner, I should say, have a blast doing that, and I would love to learn more on the tournament aspect of it because it's a whole different way to look at it, like you just said. it's a total, You're looking for your slot fish your kicker fish or you're 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 looking you're spreading everything out and you're trying to dial everything in and pattern everything you're not just trying to go out and catch fish yeah your mind is a lot more at least for me it's a lot more focused and i'm taking in every piece of information with every fish i catch you know what did that shoreline look like what was the bottom on what was the speed i was running was i turning was i not turning when i go out and recreational fish i pay attention to some of that but there's times that you're just out there just to get out and have fun. When you're tournament fishing, you're paying attention to every little detail. Yeah. Because especially in Colorado where our lakes aren't real big and it's very rare that you're going to find fish all by yourself, it's the details that are going to make the difference on who gets that extra fish or two. And a lot of times that's what makes the, the, whole, the whole difference on whether you cash a check or not. the whole deal, yeah. Yeah, that's last year... I actually fished with two partners. I fished with Jeff Warning, who I'd fished the MWC, and then halfway through the year, um, Jeff ended up scheduling his wedding on one of the tournament days. Who does that? I, I told him, you know what? <laughs> I, I, I'd reschedule personally. <laughs> no kidding. But, no um, kidding. And so then I fished the, the last two events with Charlie Black and um, fished this year with Charlie as well, but won the team of the year, Charlie and I did for the cwa last year but it was a it was an interesting event because it was very diverse um jeff and i fished cherry creek and we ended up we were either third or fourth but that was a a lead core trolling bite we went down to pueblo and that was a live bait bite Mm -hmm. we went to jumbo where it was a completely artificials uh jigs and plastics bite uh, actually, we caught some casting crankbaits, but it was a shallow bite. And then at um, McConaughey, the bite was really tough, and it was a bottom bouncer spinner rig bite. So it was four completely different patterns. And I think that's one thing that tournament angling will force you to do is you can't just sit on your favorite way to go catch fish. Goat, yeah. You have to be able to figure out the little differences and nuances and each one of those tournaments, you know, we had guys that were within conversation distance of us when we were catching our fish. Uh, maybe the one exception would be the spot we found at um, McConaughey. We found a spot on day two, and it looked like the bottom of the lake had carpet on it. There were that many fish. Really? <laughs> and we went through there. The only problem was they were all 16 and a half, 17 inch uh. fish. But as tough as the bite was, we were happy to have a yeah, limit of those. Yeah. And uh, But it was, there were two people that came by us but didn't go right in the right spot and didn't, never really saw what, you see. what we saw and the action that was going on. And it was, it was a very narrow window you had to be in to get that action. But in, you know, a 20-minute period, we had, 
Um, well, maybe it was 40 minutes. We had our limit of fish. And, you know, the, the same thing happened this year out at uh, Jackson. Day two, we didn't have a fish at 1230. The weather conditions were pretty bad for that, for oh. that uh, going into that tournament. In typical. A couple days. Yeah, you know, Thursday stuff came in. Friday, a snowstorm. Saturday, the wind was howling. In May, Colorado. Yeah, and so we ended up finding, uh, I, Charlie found it, and uh, luckily I caught a few fish on it, but we went from having no fish to less than 20 minutes later having five fish in the box. That sounds great. And, yeah, there were two boats that were clo- within, you know, two or three cast distance away, that after they watched us keep throwing fish back, they just had to leave. <laughs> That's when oh, you know no. you're dialed in. Yeah, they just turn around and leave. Yeah. Oh, man. So, uh, so like I said, tournament fishing. And then what else you got going on? You do – you do. Uh, like, what, what do you do for a living? I know we, 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 talk every, we talk every now and then, and you're always telling me you're on a tractor. You're 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 tilling up something. You're 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 digging something. So do you? Well, you know, someone who you might have known or heard of, Tom Bruno, told me way back when, when he went to fish tournaments, that he said his profession he was a financial manipulator. <laughs> he manipulates his finances so he can fish more. I like that. I've never heard that before. I've never heard that. I like that a lot. Um, you know, so that, is that kind of what you do? You, 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 you manipulate stuff? And, uh, I'm doing a lot of stuff. We do a lot I, of property management, like game property management. I do right? some game property management. Um, I've done that for over 15 years now. I also do real estate, selling recreational properties. Mm-hmm. So people can get in touch with me if they want to do that through Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors. or you know, Yeah, I'll have all this stuff, all the contact in the show notes too, so if you do want yep. to get a hold of Brad. And so I... I go out looking for hunting and fishing properties, you know, that people are are wanting to do. And then I do a lot of the outdoor promotions, you know, pro staff companies, work other events, um, the camp fish stuff coming up. I think we're going to talk about it. Yeah, we're definitely going to roll it. And so I'm doing a lot of stuff to really try and continue my passion to enjoy the outdoors, but then also to share that. Mm -hmm. And that started a long time ago. You know, back when I was 16 is when I started getting paid to fish yeah yeah that's 16 at 16 i got paid to fish teach people to fish i was always told that this is going to be the best summer job you've ever had so so how how did you get that what what job is that how'd you score that job i was working up at camp fish um i went there when i was 15 years old as a camper had a choice to go to a basketball camp or a fishing camp oh man i wish i'd have had that choice and so i decided to do the fishing camp and went up to Minnesota, and it was just out of a fluke that one of the guys in my cabin that I started hanging around with was out of Florida, and he'd been up to camp a couple times, and he was all, his whole goal was to figure out how to get a job up there. So when we went out and did the guide special, which is where you leave the lake, or leave the camp facility in those lakes, and you went to another lake, he picked the camp director to be the person. He didn't care what we caught. He just... He was trying to network. Yeah, yeah. Well, I happened to be the guy fishing with him, so I got a network you as got well. got a network as well. <laughs> and uh, one thing that they did at camp is they did a lot of fly tying and uh, teaching people to fly fish and rod building. Being from the West, I was real familiar with that. And that's a skill set that not as many people had. 
So I actually got a job the next year, and that guy didn't. Oh, because you had that? Uh, that skill set was huh. able to bring me into what was called the classroom instruction. And so I've, I've taught hundreds and hundreds, maybe, maybe even several thousand people how to fly fish. And just basic stuff. You know, we'd tie a basic, like, woolly bugger, go take them out, teach them how to cast, and then we'd go out to uh, what was called Third Lake in the back, and they'd go out and catch bluegills and bass, which I think is one of the best ways to teach someone how to fly fish because if anyone wanted to, they were going to catch a fish. There were people that didn't catch fish, but that's because they weren't excited about fly fishing. Mm -hmm. But as long as you were trying, you were going to catch multiple fish in an evening. So I got an opportunity to go up there and work, and you know, basically from end of May until the middle of August, you were fishing every day, at least six hours taking kids out, and then some days you were out ten hours. And if you weren't on our days off, you know, what what job do you work ten hours a day teaching people to fish on a regular day, and on your day off you do the same exact thing but for sixteen <laughs> hours? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And so it was it was a great opportunity. You know, I got to meet some amazing people who've become friends and are spread throughout the outdoor industry. Pretty and, influential people that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it was it was a really special place and a special time that um, it's not that often it I never was in a college fraternity but I think it's that's the closest thing or a sports team okay. where you have that bond yeah. no matter how long camaraderie you, yeah. it's been between you seeing those people there was only 20 to 25 people working there every summer so you have a, a limited group of people that you were with at the cab at, at the camp all summer long and so you had those the bonding moments, yeah. crazy stories, you know, stupid things that happened, you know, who ran over a boat motor in a parking lot on the Mississippi River, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. So you have all those funny memories, but yet also you went out fishing with all these people. And so you had the common outdoor bond, and they were people that were passionate about the sport. And growing up down in Littleton, kind of in the suburbs, you know, it was hard to find. There were people that went fishing, and there were people, fewer, but some people went hunting. Yeah. But yeah. you didn't have the people that had that true passion. Yeah, yeah, true. You know, that when you sat down and talked with them, you could talk fishing 24-7, 365, and no one would think anything was wrong. You felt you felt that warm and fuzzy. You could tell that they had that warm and fuzzy feeling, feeling you had, the yeah. same feeling that you have about talking about it and you can you could just tell those people oh, yeah. that are out there for sure and that that kind of like uh, it kind of brings brings to my mind of kind of what the inspiration for outdoor ed is it's when i was in middle school uh sixth grade i don't know how many other people have got a chance to do this but uh i we went to a thing went to ss park they took us up there and we stayed a couple days i believe it was right. but it was called outdoor ed and um and like i said that's the inspiration for this for outdoor ed is is i went up there and we did everything I mean, we camped. We did. Um, uh, we uh, did. Uh, uh, we went and walked, snuck in to watch the elk. That was one of the big things. But we did um, orientation. We had to do uh, where we can um, find where we're going. Orienteering. Yes. Orienteering. Yes. Orientation. Holy smokes. Uh, uh, orient, orienteering. You know what I meant. Um, we did that, and then we uh, we we did. Uh, this uh, was pre GPS, everyone. 
way pre-GPS, so... So you had to actually have was, a compass and know how to use it? That's why I forgot... Measure distances I knew out. I was right with the Ori, Ori part, but... But yeah, we had that. We did. Uh, we we looked up at. I remember we watched. We we seen planets at night. We took telescopes to planets. We looked at planets at night. We we learned how to track. We learned how to do all all. We learned how to do all kinds of things in the outdoors. It wasn't just hunting or fishing. Right. But that's when I met. I I had some friends there that it was kind of like. I didn't know that they liked it. I didn't know that they hunted. I didn't know they fished. Because when I was in middle school and elementary school growing up, it was I wouldn't say it was taboo, but it was it was you don't you don't you don't talk about it a whole lot because it was tough to explain. A lot of people didn't understand that I was going out and and on the hunting side, I was going right. out and and killing another animal to eat it. Why don't I just go to the grocery store? It was hard to explain that to people. So I didn't know how to I didn't know how to explain that. I didn't know how to articulate that to people. So I I didn't I was kind of stayed in my I didn't let anybody know. Yeah, I played basketball, football, but once I went up there and I and I seen those people, I could tell those kids or those other guys that are, or, or, or other people that are looking at seeing the elk and they got the same feeling that I do. Uh, coming around a trail and, and finding where we're supposed to go by using a compass, I can see how they got excited. So I, you, you make those bonds. So I understand how that's important to you. And so with the hunt, the, the, the camp fish, um, it's starting back up again. Yeah. And it, so it, it, it went, it, it didn't, they didn't do it for a while there. It was, yeah, it, it, was, it closed in 91. Um, it started back in 79 and went through several different kind of groups of leadership. In Fisherman took it over, and then the last year it actually went as a nonprofit and was just having a little bit of financial difficulties, and they had to close it down. And if you ever hear Al and Ron talk about it, it's one of the toughest decisions they ever had to make yeah. was to make the final decision to close it down. And I can still remember where I was. I was sitting in my dorm room at Western State College when I got the phone call that said Camp Fish is closed. You know, it, that's one of those things you, you never forget what you were doing at that time. Then we all ended up getting a letter from Al um, after that, but one of the guys up there, you know, just called us all to inform us that it was, it had had to be shut down. So it's been a, you know, it's always had that warm spot in all of our hearts. Yeah. And throughout the years, there have been a few people who've tried to look at possibly restarting stuff and then back in so i guess it'd be about seven years ago well six years ago we had a 20-year reunion and anyone who was a staff member alumni from any of the years was invited to the reunion and we had almost 70 guys show up oh wow so that really stoked the flame again and a few of us had kind of been bouncing around with ideas but then Last year was going to be the 25th anniversary, and so we had another reunion. But the fire had been stoked quite a bit with a few of us, and the interesting thing was there were several of the alumni staff that were working on it. With Unbeknownst to us in California, Troy Lindner, Al's son, who worked up there a couple summers, was also kind of wanting to get it started. So myself and a few other people, including Troy, you know, Troy being kind of the big point person, uh, have really started working on it, and we've got it up and running. We're up and walking. Up we want to walk before we run. <laughs> there you okay? go. There you go, yeah. And so this summer we're doing one adult-child session. It's going to be August 6th through the 9th at the original Campfish location in Walker, Minnesota. And it's very limited 
the facilities have changed just a little bit, so it's not we're not able to house as many people. So it's going to be kind of a small thing. We've got alumni, staff members coming to help, other people in the industry. It's the adult childs were always something that were really big with camp, because granted this one I know some of them are the adults are fairly skilled anglers, but a lot of times it was single mothers who had kids who loved mm-hmm. fishing and had never been exposed to fishing. Well. What's better than to teach both of them so that when they go out, they have that knowledge they need to to go out and enjoy it. So we're doing one session this year. If this goes well, we're going to look at maybe doing three to four weeks, try to find a location where we could do three to four weeks, and start up with the kids' sessions again. Level one, at least probably level ones and level twos, probably another adult child. Uh, Camp used to have four levels three well it had minis which was kind of the the starter Mm -hmm. then you had level one level two and level three which all took place on the camp facility then you kind of graduated up to level four which was an event that took the skills you knew before with adding more education and put it into a world-class environment we'd go to the boundary waters or lake of the woods or rainy lake and so it was kind of your graduation process to get up to that level yeah so next year, I think we're going to look at probably doing level ones and level twos so we could build this up. And on top of that, then this fall, we're kind of looking at trying to expand some stuff and possibly add some ice fishing in the winter. Oh, okay. And there's a chance of even doing some ice fishing here in Colorado. Oh. But last fall, I had the opportunity to go out and fish with uh, Al Lindner for a day and spend some time talking to him. And he kind of had something that was sitting on his heart and his mind that he always gets asked how do I get into the outdoor the fishing industry and make a living at it Mm -hmm. and so many people want to do it but they don't realize what it takes and that there's so many different avenues because everyone sees a professional angler the bass guys on TV and the Kevin Van Dams who's leading up there at uh St. Lawrence River. That guy's incredible. I don't incredible. know if you, you saw that. I, 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 I caught it on the ticker on my phone. Yeah, that yeah. guy's incredible. Just unreal. Yeah, he, <laughs> there's no words to describe that guy. Yeah. and Or you've got the TV personalities. Well, not many people know this, but Al actually has won a BASS event mm-hmm. back in the 70s. I think he's won two. And he's fished a couple of the classics. Back when the classic was you showed up at the airport and they flew you to a lake and didn't let you know what lake you're fishing until you were on the plane. So that's that's a little bit different than you now. You don't get a week to pre-fish or, or uh, you got, I think, previous knowledge. I think you got a day or two to pre-fish, but, you know, there was no pre-knowledge because no. there was no Internet. You basically went to a lake that you had never seen before. <laughs> and good luck, guys. Go Ooh. catch your fish. Holy and that, smokes. That really separates, you know, the anglers who are good at fishing versus the anglers that are good at researching. Yeah. But <laughs> that's a good I like how you put that. There's yeah. there's a, there's a lot of good researchers out there yeah. that that um, that put their time in on the on the computer or whatever and there's nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with it at a, all, but that's yeah, I, I like the way you put that for sure. Um, but Al really wanted to bring together a group of guys to try to look at how can we expose people to all the different avenues and so he has put together a career fishing workshop that you can go to mycampfish.com and take a look at it's happening october 
let me make sure I've got the date right. It's up in Minnesota, which I know some of you, um, it may be a little bit of a travel, but it's Saturday, October 28th in the Brainerd area at uh, Cragen's Resort. But the lineup he has been able to line up. We were it, talking, this is this is a, a yeah, talk so about a stud lineup. You've got Seth Fighter, a BSS Elite Pro, and winner last year of the Angler of the Year Tournament on mm-hmm. Mille Lacs. And he did some stuff that I've never seen. If you didn't watch that tournament, on day three, he didn't have a fish in the live well, and he threw a three-and-a-half-pounder back yeah. because he knew it wouldn't help him, and he wasn't going to waste the time to walk to the back of the boat and put it in a live well. That's someone who understands the game they're playing. Yeah, they, they know that there's a... But he's going to explain not only the good things, and that's what most people see is, okay, you get to be out fishing. But you're away from your family. You're traveling a ton. You have a lot of sponsor obligations. You have to be there for networking, marketing. What all does it take to get there? Because there are some great anglers who have never been successful as professional tournament anglers because they may be able to catch the fish. But catching the fish is only a portion of that job. Exactly. And then you've got Tom Newstrom, who's a longtime guide in the North Country. Tom was a cop in Chicago, decided to follow his passion and went up north, has been a guide. What do you have to do to be successful with that? Yep. You got Brett McComas, who's the editor of Target Walleye, does a lot of online stuff. A lot of social media stuff, yeah. A lot of social media. Matt Johnson, he's the ice team manager. Ice team, he's yep. going to tell you what they look for in pro staff. You've got, um, you know, Al and Troy are there. You've got some people from their DNR, both a conservation officer or what we know as a DWM in Colorado, a game warden. Yep. And then also a biologist are, are going to be talking. There's uh, another radio TV personality. There's Mark Fisher, who is a lure, was a bass a competitive tournament angler and uh, was lure designer for Rapala. So he was instrumental in the rip stop and some of the mm-hmm. other things that were mentioned on the Facebook Live. So he's going to talk about, you know, maybe going more into the manufacturing side. Then they also have a, a local retailer. And I love taking pictures. Photography is one of my big yeah. passions. And they are bringing in... Probably one the, of the best. <laughs> one of the best. Yeah, definitely. And granted, it helps that uh, you're able to bug him at all the family functions, but <laughs> Bill Lindner, who does outdoor photography for Outdoor Life, Field and the Stream, In Fisherman Magazine, North American Fishing Club, all of the fishing and hunting if you've, uh, books. Yeah, if you've read any publications, you have seen his pictures, for yes, sure. and his pictures just pop out as being very unique, and he is he's taken it from way back on the In Fisherman days and just expanded it out and does stuff that he kind of created the niche, whereas other people were just taking pictures. He really stepped it up and made everyone else raise their well, bar. He's got that iconic, and I that iconic those those fishers those pictures that he takes where they're, they're the boat release, yep. where he's 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 almost got to be in the water to get that picture. But he and spends a lot of time in the and water. It's it's I mean that's those, those pictures that he that he takes. It's when you first see him, it's like that was that. There's no way that was done on a body of water. Yep. On a lake conditions whatever there's no way that was done but it was yeah. and he'll he'll be able to show you that and that's i mean there there it is, there it is it's if you've ever wondered how to how to get in this i get this question a lot and i don't i mean 
hey Matt, how do you, how do you become a freshman? How do you, how do you do this? How do you do that? I'm like, I, I'm I'm trying to figure that out right now, just just the same as you are. But here's some of the things that I've got to get where I'm at. But if you if you want to go, if you want an opportunity to learn and to and to and to see what some of the top of the guy top top of the line guys that are out there. And you you said it. You hit the nail on the head. I think is that there's a lot of people out there that can catch fish, that can go and and uh, uh, um, you know. Uh, Go catch fish at a, at a, and go win tournaments, but there's a heck of a lot more to being a professional angler or professional to in make the a industry. living at it. Yeah, because they look because and I, I mentioned this too when I was I saw I was watching the Bassmaster Classic, and you can tell the guys that they wanted up there to talk and the guys that they just wanted to say hey and you know talk a little bit about their day and you could tell that they that they can give them a lot of time because you can and you if you gave them a lot of time you can tell that those guys are the guys that catch fish and they got to where they're at by catching fish but then you got kevin van dam and you got mike Akinelli come behind him you got gerald swindle you got guys like that coming up that are going to get the microphone and they're not gonna they're 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 going to be professional about it. and it doesn't take having to curse out a dog no to yeah. being on yeah. that level you're right Exactly. If you're not familiar, one of those names he mentioned, you can YouTube it. Had an experience that he got frustrated, a dog barked, and he there's, let it go for a minute or two. Yeah, yeah. On the dog, there's, but, but there's, there's. I mean, it's you get to see stuff like that. You get to see the guys that are not only are in front of the camera, but you get to learn how they got to that point. You know, it's not. You can go again. You can go back out and catch. And you can go catch all the fish in the world, biggest fish in the world. But if you can't get up there and talk to somebody about not not just about how you caught that fish, but add everything else into that about the day. Tell a story about how you caught that fish. Those are the guys. Those are the guys that people want, and that's some of the things you can learn from there. And is there is there any type of a fee registration fee? Anything you have to yeah, do? Yeah, there is to a um, two hundred fifty dollar fee for the event. For the event, yeah, and I mean, and it's it's in Minnesota, so you know, some of you that are listening to this may be in that area. Uh, some of you aren't, but I am sure that if you follow along with this, you can pick up some good information on on. Uh, um, I'm sure there going to be some publications out for it, some articles written about it. Yep, if you and, go, I mean, you to, can follow uh, it and learn some stuff. Still, Outdoor Hub, Outdoor Hub, they did a, a write up on both of the sessions um, coming up. So there's a lot of uh, exciting things, and I'll put a lot of this, uh, a lot of this contact information I will put into whether it's uh, Camp Fish or it's the uh, the uh, this workshop here. I will put that in there so you guys, uh, you folks out there, can look at it and um, get more information on it. And heck, if you do want to go, go up there. Let me know how it was. I mean, yeah, I'd I, love love to hear it, uh, uh, and especially with the with the with the Camp Fish. Now is um, is that a register register yep. too? Is it full yet, or is there still time There's to register? There's still a few spots. You know, we're coming up tight on time frame. That's twelve ninety five, but it includes that's for the adult and the child. It includes lodging and meals. Um, you're going to have guides or instructors taking you out fishing all day. So if you really were to compare it to you know paying for a guide trip, it's actually a really good deal. Yeah. Plus, you're getting the education on top of it. We're going to be doing all sorts of various seminars throughout the day. We're going to do a fish cleaning seminar with a fish fry, um, you know, and you're going to be fishing some phenomenal waters. Uh, we mentioned the Outdoor Hub article. Dave Moss just was back up there. Dave Moss, the editor of Outdoor Hub, is one of the guys I worked with at Camp Fish. Yeah. He was back up there two weeks ago. If you like crappie fishing, don't go take pictures. Look at the pictures. 
15, 16 inch crappies. I love the way I love to eat crappies. We're gonna we're gonna keep a few of them <laughs> for the fry. Um, crappies are in trouble then. Yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna slaughter them. What we're looking at doing is having enough so that we can give the education on how to clean them, how to cook them, and enough for people to taste them. It's not gonna be a meal. It's gonna be kind of at the campfire later on in the evening, just to share with them the knowledge because part of fishing that people really do enjoy is is being able to harvest and yeah. consume oh, some oh, yeah. fish oh yeah definitely definitely so and i'm sure you guys will go through uh ways to clean and prepare those fish and cook them we're going to do that yep we're and we're going to cook them right there on the site then you know we're going to have seminars on bass fishing pan fishing walleye fishing northern pike you know rod reel and line kind of do some basic information on that all of the guys are real knowledgeable in electronics. So if you have a boat and you're not familiar with your electronics or you want to learn more about them, you know, we're happy to help you out on that type of stuff. And we're in a, a location there. I think the old story was within 30 miles, there's 300 lakes with public access. Oh, wow. <laughs> that sounds like a, wow. That's yeah. jealous. I'm, I, I get jelly. I get, we I we don't jelly. get that experience no, out we here. Don't. You know? We don't. If by chance we choose a bad lake to go to, we got to deal with it. You can, you know, up there, you just put it on the trailer, make sure it's clean, drain, dry, cross the road, and you're on a completely different body of water, which is acting differently. You know, you could go from a a bass panfish lake to a a rocky, deep water walleye lake just basically by crossing the road. Yeah. See? I always hear I always hear people talk about that up there when they they tell me yeah we were we weren't catching we weren't they go bass fishing we weren't catching bass over here at this lake so we pulled out and we went to uh, went down the road to uh, one landing was close so we went down the other one and we went out and we caught we caught crappie yeah. and walleye I'm like yeah you can kind of do that here but it's it's not the same it's not the same it's not the well same. and one of the things I learned when I was working there we used to have a a challenge that we do sometimes between boats and we'd go randomly pick lakes and figure out what species of fish were in them. And then everyone in the lake, or everyone in the, the boat, had to catch one of that species of fish in that lake before you could go the next lake, and you'd have a three-lake challenge in the evening. Oh, wow. You know, that and the first like boat back, the other team had to go buy pizza when we went out to dinner. Oh, that's fun. But So you might have to go figure out how to catch bluegill on the lake, or rock bass. We even had, you know, times that you had to go catch rock bass. Or bass on a lake where maybe bass isn't the dominant fish species. But it makes you completely shut down. You know, the nice thing is that the lakes can be very different. So don't think about what you learn there because that lake, the fish might be in post-spawn and the lake you're on trying to catch them right now, they're in pre-spawn because yeah. of the depth and different changes and the limnology of the lake and all that stuff. And so it really forced you just to fish the moment. And you weren't fishing memories, and you had to go, okay, how's it going to be our quickest way to catch, you know, we usually have three guys in the boat. How can we go catch three northern pike? Over here. You know. Yeah. And uh, there were times that people, I'm not kidding you, would, they'd see a school of crappies or bluegills on the dock, and they would unhook the boat leave the trailer on the ramp <laughs> drop out catch their three fish and just run the, tr the boat right up the trailer so that uh you could keep going to the next spot oh boy but yeah i mean so that's that's where i kind of got all started in this and made a lot of connections and networking and you know it 
it's led to a, a really great time. I, I ran a nonprofit here in Colorado teaching people about fishing and hunting, and I have a real strong passion for doing that and sharing information with people. So I think what you're doing with the Outdoor Ed is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's that's the whole that's my whole mindset is is exactly what you said. Describe. I wanna I wanna get that experience out there. I wanna share others' experience like you just did, and to hope inspire other people to get out there and do the same thing. And so yeah, and. Um, and, and again, I'll have we'll have all that information. If you want to uh, register for either either one of them, either one of those two events, I'll have that information here, and if and I'll have your contact information. If they have any questions, they can feel free to get a yep. hold of you. And uh, also, you're you're the northern chapter director, right? Of co-director, co-director of the Colorado Walleye Association, and that's a, a local club here too. So you're also doing that um, teaching and. Uh, and helping people get get involved in the out or get involved with fishing through that through uh, CWA Colorado Law Association. Right, we've we've really tried with the Northern Chapter. I was on the board of the Walleye Association back all the way in '89, mm -hmm. and at one point in time, the Colorado Walleye Association had over almost 700 paying members. It was the largest fishing organization, probably outside of Trout Unlimited in the state, and. It's gone through several different leadership changes, and I moved up north and noticed that the the club was doing good, but the person in charge wanted to look to leave, and so they asked me. I told them I didn't quite have enough time, but luckily uh, Chris, the other co-director, stepped up, and I said, you know, hey, I'll do it with someone else. And we've been able to do that, and we're getting meetings back up into the, you know, 40 people, 30, 40 people, great, and yeah. we try to bring in different seminar speakers on different topics. We have a Christmas party every December, and we kind of ask the members what they'd like to have, you know, and this year we wanted, they wanted to have a lake breakdown on Boyd, and they wanted to have um, a discussion on... I want to say it was uh, live bait rig no jigging mm -hmm. and so we did some stuff on jigging and so we try to bring people in that are real knowledgeable on those topics and fill them in i did a, a seminar on uh, structure and cover how to read a lake map because there were a lot of people who were kind of new to fishing and when they looked at a map they had an idea what they're looking for but not the specifics so tried to break that down the meeting is the first tuesday of every month normally held at Bennett's Tackle and Berthoud. This month, I believe it's gonna be held there again. This month is kind of a fun social month. We're hoping to do a fish fry. And you, you do those, I, I feel like the North chapter. I was I was a tournament director for a season and a central chapter director for- Just, just so you know, the tournament director position is coming available is again. Is it coming available again? Okay. Uh, the board meeting's Tuesday. We'll, we might uh, have to uh, I'll make put sure your I name get, in the hat. I'll make sure I get somebody uh, that's, that, I'll, I'll make sure I get somebody else for that position. But anyway, um, I, I know I know, and that, uh, well, how much goes, in, goes into that, or goes into the club and planning those events. But you, you mentioned the fresh fish fry. I remember I was, when I took over Central Chapter Director, Central Chapter is essentially supposed to be our biggest one because it's right in Denver. Yeah. And it was, we were, we were struggling trying to get people to show up because what happened was a lot of people were going to the Northern Chapter because that one was was the one that was most consistent. It was we, it was almost we felt like they were on an island and they were kind of their own little club out there. You know, they always did the fish fries too. They always did the fish fries. I love going up to the, for, for the fish fries. And like you said, it kind of, Kind of fell off a little bit there. Now you got your your back. Who's who's your partner again? 
Chris Fillinger. Chris Fillinger, okay. Yep. He's, so, he's a new walleye angler, but he's very passionate and loves to help out. And so Chris is doing a great job. Um, he doesn't have a lot of the connections with a lot of the different anglers. So I've done a little bit more of the coordination of the programs and who to get lined up. And Chris is doing a lot of the um, the on-the-ground work. Um, Colorado Walleye Association, the northern chapter, is going to be at the Weld County Fair the last weekend in July. And Chris oh, is boy, coordinating yeah. all of that. I'm, I'm going to be in Minnesota. Yeah. Darn it. Shucks. Darn. I know, I know that feeling. I'm like, going to oh. be pre-fishing for a kid's fishing camp. I'm going to have to be out on the water. But it's, it's, it's great that that's, stuff like that's back up and, and going good, good and strong because there are people out there that like to have that experience where they go somewhere once, one night a month. And I, I, did, I did a couple seminars for the, the uh, Loveland Fishing Club. Right. And um, that was, you talk about organized. That was one of the, the most organized groups that I've ever that I've ever had the pleasure of going and speaking in front of. Is that the the group of retired folks? Oh yeah, we did it. And I did, we did one it. for them too, and we, I tell you what, they are they they're were die right? hard. They, they are. are. They oh. they don't mess around. You you go you go to the senior center there, or was it the rec center? They're it, together. They're together. Yeah. Yeah. So you go in there, and you know, I mean, they got questions. They're writing stuff down. That's what I love when I go to do a seminar and I see people writing stuff down. I know that those people came to learn. And I saw that there, but they're organized, and 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 that's what I felt like. What was happening with with the northern chapter too is is there's people that are starting to show up, and a little bit too with the central chapter. I, I came and did some seminars with those guys, and there was more people, new people, starting to show up, yep. and starting to learn how to catch and just then, go to catch fish. Yeah, there's also a southern chapter down and the southern in chapter too. Yep, for sure. Pueblo, I think they meet at a place. I think it's called the Red Rooster, um, and they're they're a little bit more of a coffee social club. Yeah. Um, they enjoy it. They kind of talk fishing. We have a meeting and usually have a program, a presenter of some sort to, that comes in. You know, we had Dan Swanson do electronics. Um, we had Dan Giordano uh, do jig fishing. Mm-hmm. We had and these the, are members, too. Yep, these are members. These are members. Uh, we had the Snyders do some live bait stuff. And then we usually do a raffle. Um, three months this year, we gave away either... I don't remember whether it was a pound or half a pound of leeches or like eight That's dozen crawlers. I, I remember those raffle prizes. They, they would come up. They would come for those raffle Just those raffle prizes. Yeah. Like I do the raffle prizes at, at the central chapter meeting, and then and then sometimes it would be like I look up and everybody's gone. So, but. Um, yeah, we, we tried to target that. And then our December meeting, if you just want to come up and have a good time, that's our Christmas party meeting. Um Check out the Facebook page. You used to do barbecue, don't you? Didn't you do barbecue yep. last year? We did barbecue last year, and one of our members has a facility in Greeley that works out really good. We've been there the last two years, and so I think that um, we haven't discussed it yet, but more than likely that's probably where we'll go again. And it's just kind of one of these. We sit around, we socialize, but that's where we get the ideas of, okay, what lakes do we want to talk about? You know, where, where do we want to have our breakdowns? Where do we want to have meetings? You know, what's going on? And the walleye club in the past, and I would love to see it become even more involved, was very much the voice of the angler when it comes to regulation issues. Yeah. And you know we've got some issues coming we, up. We definitely do need. We definitely do need that. We we've got to, you know, particularly up north, we're losing a lot of bodies of water and access. We have more bodies of water that their leases are coming up yeah. in the near future. Um, these boat inspections. So it's important that everyone's involved. And 
the state is trying it. I I know uh, August second, Fort Collins. I don't yep. know if you're aware yep, of this. Yep, yep. August second, they're, they're having a sportsman's roundtable meeting. I'll be there. I will be there. Good. Take good notes. Yep. I will be fishing in Minnesota still. <laughs> I'm actually going up for almost three weeks. Yeah. So um, otherwise I would be at this meeting because there's a lot of issues coming up. The funding issues. There was either one, even one that was mentioned in the press release about recreational shooting on the National Forest. Yeah. I'm not familiar with what that issue is, but it sounds like they may be looking at trying to restrict this or there's, some other stuff. So yeah, there's that. There's been a lot of um, well, the the from the way I understand that, and what I what I read about that, and what I know about that is that there was a lot of issues with um, the ground becoming toxic because they they go out there and it's and it, I mean it's it's public land, right? So you go out there and they shoot target harder practice. They bring stuff out there, they leave the lead and stuff builds up in the soil, so it's the soil is becoming toxic. So you go out there and say you go out to camp or whatever and you dig up. Something, something happens. You disturb that soil. You can, get, you can get sick. And so that's what I'm hearing from that's coming up. But, but like you said, there's with, with, whether it's a Colorado Walleye Association, the Denver Bass Masters, the um, Centennial, uh, Bass, Centennial Club. Bass Clubs, the, 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 the Mile High Pioneer, Bass Pioneers. I think there's another one up north. That, yeah, there's I think, a I think those uh, guys are Pikes still Peak Club. Pikes Peak, yeah. Um, even the junior clubs, too. I know uh, – uh, um, Frank Villa has has one up 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 north, and then uh, and I've I've talked to George Murray's too. He's the bass the BASS uh, conservation. Um, so whether you're involved with whatever whatever group you're involved with, if you're not involved, one get involved. And there's those are just the fishing clubs. There's yeah. there's there, there's a uh, um, uh, Ducks Unlimited. There's uh, there's I Pheasants Forever. A... Yeah, well, I, I don't know Pheasants Forever is kind of in limbo, but um, there's uh, I I actually saw. A Here, there's an invitation. I think they're going to look at starting a Delta Waterfowl chapter. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, and I don't know if you've ever been to a Delta bank, but one of the really interesting things that Delta does is on all of their youth programs, you keep like 80% of that money locally. And you spend it as the chapter. Yep. Uh, Sterling has a Delta chapter. And what Sterling has done is they've taken their youth fundraising money, and I think for a three-county area, Phillips, Sedgwick, and Logan up there, they pay for all the kids' hunter education. See that? And, and so it's nice to see those type of groups is, that can keep that money there locally, target programs that are geared towards kids. Yes, you have to get approval from Delta. They have some lists. You know, you go build wood duck houses. You could go do stuff like that. Um, and if you're doing something even completely different, they look at it and evaluate it. So I, I like seeing those type organizations. You got Rocky Mountain Elk Mountain, Founders. Yeah, they, they have you know, big the mule deer, yep. bighorn sheep, the um, turkey. Um, what's the TW? Uh, is it TWF? Safari Club International. The Safari Club. That's Safari. Yeah, people don't mention the Safari Club a whole lot. There's there's so many clubs out there that you can be involved in, and if you do research on the club, whatever you're looking for to get out of the club is number one, obviously. Right. Whether that's to go learn more information, to go to go somewhere on Tuesday night to get out of the house. I mean, that, there's guys that do that, too, um, guys and gals that do that. So whatever it is, look into that, but then look at what they, what they do, how they're involved in the community. And that's, that's where I think if we're going to turn this around, we can't sit there and bitch and complain at these board meetings or on Facebook or on whatever social media platform it is. We can't bitch and complain. We have to do something in that set, in, that, in, that, in, that, in, that, in my opinion, in that atmosphere, whether it's, whether it's through a club, an organization, something, that's where we have to come together and push to do that. Well, what I've been seeing is a lot of reactive response from the sportsmen, and they're not being proactive. 
Yeah. When people saw that they the state only has one more year, year lease on Lone Tree and then they're going to lose it, Facebook and, you know, Twitter and Instagram blew up well, with people crazy. screaming and yelling and the state's doing all this. And I'm like, guys, I understand. I'm not happy about it. It's one of my favorite lakes. But what you need to do is you need to be at those Wildlife Commission meetings. You need to be at all these sportsman roundtable opportunities and make sure your voice is heard ahead of time because a lot of times the state is holding these meetings and the opportunities to talk to people about it and they're getting five people to show up and it's the same five people. So the public needs to make sure they get their voice and when you're talking about the affinity groups, one of the other big things you're going to get a lot more out of them the more you're willing to be involved. Yeah, well, definitely. You get Whether out of your volunteering you time. Yep. You know, some of them, they may not have monthly meetings, but you know what? They have a banquet, and you can go help with the banquet. And the opportunity to network, you may end up running into someone who's got a, you know, a family ranch that they love to have, you know, that they elk hunt on. But mm -hmm. you know what? We only elk hunt second season, and you want to bring your son up? or your daughter up for fourth season and shoot a cow, you're more than Be welcome guess, to. Yeah. And, but those offers get extended to the people who are active. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they see that you're willing to put that effort in. And you're going to get more out of that experience. So find a group that you can become associated with. And if you don't find what you want, maybe you need to look at creating it. Exactly. There, there you go. Cre create something. I mean, there's... There, there's the, the what I what I haven't seen now is that uh, there's all these groups that are out there and I like for example this may be you know I mean out there but say if somebody got got caught wind of that the Lone Tree lease going earlier and now what we're talking about is the Lone Tree is a body of water out here in northern Colorado that um, the lease is going to be up uh, next year or no it's this it's up this year but they got a one year extension the, well actually it, it was went? up. Or was the, it up last year? It was up last year. And then they got the an state extension. got a one-year extension. Then they got a one-year extension beyond that. And what's happening is, is it was kind of in a rural area in northeast Colorado. The eastern side of the lake was purchased by a developer who's putting a golf course in there. And so the state has has had it for a 20-year lease for a relatively small sum of money. And all of a sudden, this developer has decided they wanted to become involved, and so there's kind of a bidding war. The state, I will tell you, um, I talked with some people. I don't know if I can discuss publicly what their offer was, but I will say the state made a very strong offer. Yeah, I've heard I, it was, I was substantial, yeah. I was very pleased to see the offer, and they got outbid. So the state is getting a one-year extension, and so as of the end of June of 2018, the state will no longer have the lease. Now, there's been a few news reports out there that the new leaseholder is going to allow public fishing or public access, but we don't know anything about the details. Are they going to charge a large annual fee? Are they going to charge a daily fee? Is it just going to be, you know, open to the public? How is that all going to work? So we don't know. And the scary thing is, is when it is held by a private company, at any time, they could change that. They yeah. aren't bound to have it open to the public, or they can they can up a fee limit use. Right. It's and but, so it's we're in an area in Colorado where access is very limited in the opportunities. Uh, another one, they're putting a new lake up on two eighty seven. 
Mm-hmm. Well, the story that I'm getting, it's going to be almost the size of horse tooth if it ever gets completely filled. It's a new water project. But they have already decided they're not allowing boating. Yeah. It may be open for fishing, but there's going to be no, no boating. Boats. No boats. No no trailered boats and no boats, period. I don't know. I just heard no boating. And so if the sportsmen don't get out there to really express what they are looking for, our voice gets lost. Yeah. It, the chat field's expanding here in, in the southern part of the metro area. Mm-hmm. If the anglers don't say, you know what, it's important for us to... It's expanding. We have a great opportunity either through leaving some of the trees for fish habitat or if they feel like the trees might be a hazard, maybe creating some PVC structures, doing some other stuff to where this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to create new structure in a body of water that's going to almost double in surface size. We need to be out there saying, you know what? We're glad to volunteer. We'll go put two Sundays out and get a Boy Scout group or get, you know, whatever else yeah. is going on. And, and you're, you're do fundraisers to raise money, something. Because that, that's what I think. Well, where's the money going to come from? you got all the people to do it. Where's the money going to come from? Well, that's where you can get, get into a group and do fundraisers. And do, the, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of the clubs, are, they'll go to, uh, to, they'll go to um, establishments, uh, big box stores, and they'll go sit out front, Home Depot maybe even, yep. and they'll sell hot dogs. They'll sell stuff. They'll, they'll, they'll you can do, that do fundraising. And, or, or they a lot of them have annual fundraisers. And if you know yep, this is coming annual, up, yep. you could create a, Banquets and whatnot. a raffle or a, uh, a couple silent auction items that go directly towards this fundraiser, towards this specific project. So there's some fantastic opportunities. And one of the other places to find out information about that is through retailers. Mm-hmm. Some of the retailers have information about this. I know that this Thornton Cabela's location uh, just created a Facebook page, and once a month they're going to kind of update what all the uh, affinity groups who are working with them are doing in the area so that people in general can know. If you're up north, no one knows more about kids' fishing programs than Bob Todd at Bennett's Tackle. Yeah, Bob has been doing it for 30 years. I helped him when I was back in college, and he runs three to five fishing programs. I helped him this year with one that he does with the Thompson Valley School District for the special ed kids. Huh? So they brought kids out from four different schools, all the special ed kids, and we got them out fishing. And I won't say all of them caught fish, but you know what? We had quite a few of them catch fish, and right, they all had they a great had time. Fun, yeah, for sure. And uh, so it was it was really good time, and they are, they are so appreciative of the help. And those type events, you need to have a lot of help because one to two, one helper to two kids is about all you can handle because some of these kids, they aren't able to reel, or maybe they're – their reaction speed's a little slow. Uh, one of the kids I was helping with, his reaction speed was a little slow. So he'd see the, his bobber, or as McDill would call it, a float. Uh, when it would go down, he would see it, and he could verbalize it. But for him to get himself to set the hook, it just didn't correlate. And so I just had my hand on the fishing line. And when it, the bobber would go down, I'd pull the fishing line and set the hook on the fish. And then let it go, and the fish would swim off, and then he'd set the hook and reel it in. And he didn't realize what I was doing to help ensure that he caught his fish. But every time he – 
he was hollering for his teacher and he wanted pictures <laughs> for his mother and he caught a bigger fish than his buddy sitting over there and oh that's I good mean, stuff just absolutely loved it now he wouldn't touch the fish yeah he'd get close but he wouldn't touch the fish but those type things i'd love to see people out spending time doing yeah and we're getting to be a much more densely populated area in along the northern front range of colorado we need to spend the time to get these kids out there and expose them to the outdoors because these are going to be our voters of the future the people yeah, that are going to yeah. look at you know how do we manage this how do we um, how do we enjoy the outdoors and there are kids in the denver area i was telling someone that were born and raised and have never been in an area that they can't see a high-rise building I know. Yeah, I, that's in Colorado. That's in Colorado. Colorado. And you you don't think when you when you think Colorado, you don't think that that could be possible. You think skiing, uh, fly fishing, mountains, and everything. But it's but that's not the case for a lot a lot of kids. It's not the case. Yeah, and you know, a lot of other people were when they grew up. Maybe if their family didn't do it, maybe they had a relative that still lived out on the farm. Yeah, or lived in a more rural area. So when you went out and saw Uncle Bob. You know, you got to go fish his farm pond. You go fish, yeah, for sure. And there's been a lot of studies that show with kids, that key time frame to get them exposed, at least to hunting, is that kind of 8 to 13 time frame. If you get them exposed during that time frame, the likelihood of them going again when they're 16 is much greater. And, and the reason they target that number 16 is that's when you or your buddies have a driver's license. And you can go do it on your own and you for can, the most part, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, it makes sense for Some sure. of the hunting, you have to be 18 or older or have yeah. a mentor. But it's the same way with fishing. We want to get the people out there, get them exposed, because you never know when someone down the road, if they would have had that one time that they were exposed, is going to do it again. And all of a sudden they may realize that this is something that, has been missing in their life or fills something that they need or it's just so enjoyable they're gonna yeah start doing it again and there's there's some cases too where where you get you get a kid involved and that that kid will go home and he'll tell his parents who have never been involved either hey this was fun i had i had a blast and they'll kind of just brush it off you know and the kid next a couple days later hey can you take me i want to go i want to go well the parent doesn't know what to do and there's 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 places to go like clubs. There's places to go and take take the kids. So you guys can go fish with other people, so you can learn how to do it. And a lot of times, what I see happen out of that is is the kid gets the parent, the, the mom or dad involved, or mom and dad involved. And then now, before maybe those parents didn't have anything in common. They the, the kid they 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 were they couldn't see eye to eye. They couldn't meet. You know. So maybe now with through fishing, through hunting, through hiking, whatever it may be, through the outdoors. They're able to have something that they can share together through that. And they didn't even know it was there. Well, and fishing in the outdoors is you've got the camaraderie, the fellowship, and the enjoyment. But you also can have little contests. And it's something that doesn't discriminate by age. No, it doesn't. It, if you go out fishing, your little four-year-old kid could whoop your tail. Yep. And your old 90-year-old grandpa could do the same thing. Yep, yep. Whereas if you're playing basketball... The person that's kind of between that 15 and 30 range is going to have the best odds. Got, yeah, because athletic clobbering yeah. everyone. Yep, for but, sure. You know, out fishing, it's it's one that you can enjoy throughout a lifetime. So it's not something that, um, you know, and I'm sure there's other sports 
people ski throughout their lifetime. People play golf. Oh, yeah, Don't yeah, totally, ask me why. Totally. I love that. we got to get you golfing. huh? Come that on. windmill gets me every time. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's the... Just get just get out just get out there and just get outside basically just get outside experience. There's a lot of stuff out there to experience. Um, you know, we talked the uh, camp fish, the uh, professionals in the outdoors right. in the industry workshop, and I mean it's there's a lot of stuff to do. There's a lot of stuff going on uh, right now this time from you're going to be busy for the next month, and then when you come back. You go, we got a, do we got a migratory bird season coming up here within a month when you get back? Do you partake uh, it, in those those tasty be, little it, jalapeno boogers that fly it'll around? It'll be closer than that when I get back. Will it be closer than that? Uh, I may not be back until. You're going to be up there the whole time there. Almost till August month. 20th. Oh, so yeah, you'll be right on. I'll be, be knocking on the door. So there's, there's a teal season there, isn't there, towards the end of the. Uh, teal season's typically about the 10th of September right around there the weekend closest to that so it's so doves before that doves okay. start september 1st yep i'm not gonna have much time to we'll, do much uh, practicing we'll i'm gonna to, be uh getting some phone call instruction from we're, <laughs> one of my friends who's an olympic shooter because i know i'm gonna have issues <laughs> oh boy we're gonna get brad on um around that time because you're a big waterfowl guy big yeah. migratory bird i should say yeah i mean you're you're big time with that i am very new on that i love upland game i am I am. Uh, I almost cussed. I don't know why I almost cussed, but I almost cussed. Um, I'm. I'm huge into upland game. I love upland game, but I haven't really experienced that migratory birds, the ducks, the geese, the the. I well doves. I shoot doves because that 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 like you were talking about shooting. That gets me ready to go into the um, the pheasant season, the quail season, whatever it may be. Whatever upland bird I'm I'm hunting for, the dove gets me going. But I've never done. I've never done the waterfowl because it's always – I'm a football official, and I coach for a while too, high, high school. So I get – it's in that time frame where I don't – if I'm either – if I'm fishing, I'm – if I'm not fishing, I'm, I'm doing something with football. So right. it's tough. It's tough for me to really, really get into it. I'm hoping to do that this year. I'm hoping you can show me – show me the light. Yeah, it's – um, I don't, I don't want to get shown the light too much because then I, I hear it's expensive. Um, Is it expensive? You know well, everything's expensive nowadays. Yeah, but you can get by waterfowl hunting, particularly on the duck side, for not not a lot of additional money. Because I'm guessing, you know, you fish, so you probably have a set of waders somewhere. I got I got waders. You got I, warm clothes. I do. I, okay. I got an eight seventy, so yep. that, I'm fine with there. Yep. Okay. So then you need to. Pick I got a up, dog. You need to pick up. There you go. A couple dozen duck decoys. I got some of those. You know, that that will it. cover you and, and a camouflage coat if you don't have a camouflage coat. Well, I'm ready to go then. You know, and, and now, then... Now where do I go? Then you pick <laughs> Can up I shoot them in my backyard? Because I, I got a bunch of geese that fly over my house Is every day. Is it an unincorporated area? That, no, uh, it's not. That, Thornton. They, yeah, then they might have that. a few they issues have a on that. that. But so. there are... Colorado, we've got lots of opportunities. And one of the big differences between upland bird hunting... And waterfowl hunting is upland bird hunting is a lot of walking with a shotgun, mm-hmm. and a lot of watching the dog do a lot of yep. work. Yep. Um, and I enjoy it. I I do a lot of dove hunting. I'll pheasant hunt on occasion. Um, I've quail hunted. Really like that. But in waterfowl hunting, you're bringing the animals to you. 
you may try to find right where they're at, but you have to have good enough concealment, decoy placement, and calling to so get them to come to you. There is it's, something that spreads then, right? Yeah, it's oh, it's boy. similar to a spring turkey hunt. Okay. An archery elk hunt when you're bugling an elk in. Yep. Okay. It's a little different, but you never bugle in 600 elk simultaneously. <laughs> no. Um, well, so, I don't know. There's some guys that maybe. I don't know. Ron might. Yeah, Ron might be able to do that. I pff, I can I can get out a decent cow call. That's about my limit. So Yeah, but I can we'll, I can bugle in about two if I'm sitting in Rocky Mountain National Park. <laughs> but so hopefully when you get back from from fishing and we can have some well I mean I'm sure we'd have some time to squeeze in some because because the, the waterfowl season doesn't start till uh official it, season doesn't start the full season well until, there's there's uh this side of uh I-25 and then east and west side there's that the yep. whole flyway type of deal right you gotta yep, look there's at some so. different zones and stuff like that but usually the mountain zone doesn't start till about the last weekend in September. The northeast region doesn't start until typically about the second weekend of October. Uh, all these will be out in a brochure fairly soon yeah, that you're yeah. able to take a look at. I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, and uh, like, like I said, we'll get you on and we'll talk about that. Um, real quick before we, we close out, uh, if, uh, oh, also, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. I just forgot. Wilderness athlete. Uh-huh. Tell me about that. Is it now? What I think wilderness athlete. I'm thinking. I see all this this train to hunt stuff out there, right? Uh, Alpha bow hunting challenge. Yep. Total archery challenge. Yep. All this stuff. Is that kind of the same thing, or are we looking at supplements with with wilderness athlete? What, wilderness what is athlete kind of does both sides of really, things. I'm getting really involved with this stuff, like the training stuff, like that, and I'm up in my game as far as uh, I, I've lost almost 60 pounds. So I'm trying to get my body. Thank yep. you. I'm trying to get my body back to where where I where I need it. And as far as uh, being, you know, running tip, running good. If, if I'm if I got to run up a mountain or something, I got to come down a mountain. I got to stay stay. Uh, uh, there better my, be a bear sure, chasing me if I'm running sure, up a mountain. Make sure my body is in supreme condition. Will wilderness athlete help me out do that? It will. Um, you know, wilderness athlete was founded by. Uh, avid outdoorsman and hunter who was the strength and conditioning coach for the University of New Mexico. Okay. So he so is right spent, in our backyard basically. Yep, he spent time with the University of Kansas and all over with, you know, top quality professional or amateur athletes, but the college athlete side of things. And being in that realm, he was able to bring in some really high-end nutritionists and chemists to understand, you know, how do you improve stuff? Because at the time a wilderness athlete was founded, you know, Gatorade came about in the 70s. And there really hadn't been anything else created since then. No, not, not that was as good as Gatorade was. Right. And so wilderness athlete not only has the supplements for the really high-end, you know, intensive people like these train-to-hunt workouts and stuff like that. But if you're just going to the gym... They, they've got great supplements for that. They've got supplements that help with your eyesight. They've got supplements that help with altitude sickness. Well, that's that's good to know. Yeah, for sure. Right there. Uh, the altitude sickness one, I think they want you to start uh, about 10 days before you come to altitude. Mm-hmm. But if you've got buddies coming into the state to elk hunt, get them on this. Because the worst thing for them is if they are sick 
for the first two, three days of a hunt for altitude sickness. Because a lot of people, they don't even think about that. They yep. come out here, yeah, it's thin air, but they don't think about the altitude sickness. So that's something that if you don't, if you can't come and prepare for that or take the necessary steps as you're either climbing or coming down in altitude and elevation, because I mean, so if you're coming out here for an early season archery hunt, you're going to spend a lot of time nine above nine thousand feet. Yeah. If if you're if you're going to be doing it up in the high country, yeah. So you're and, going to have they're going to have a lot of time to get uh, get used to that if you're coming from sea level or something like right. that. Right. And I'm going to tell you, you know, I'm not a gym rat. I haven't been to a gym in probably ten years. That's going to change while I'm back in Minnesota. <laughs> um, I don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. Yeah, and I'll I'll, I'll explain that here in just a minute. Um, but what I've been using a lot of is they've got a meal supplement. Okay. Fantastic. Okay. Is that something you can drink? Yep. Okay. And so I use that a lot when I'm out fishing. Either tournaments, I'll have one of them ready to go, and 10 minutes before blast off, I'll chug down the meal supplement to help get me through the day. Then they also have two other things that I think are just phenomenal. They've got a hydration and recovery drink. Uh-huh. And then an energy and focus drink. So the energy and focus, a lot of people are using 5-Hour Energy, Monster, all that. And here, you can take a look. It's It's got a lot of the same supplements, not as much of the caffeine, but it doesn't have the sugar. See, that's it's not yeah. relying on the sugars. And it has a lot of other micronutrients and vitamins that will help you out. If you look at the comparative, and I'm going to give this to Matt, and he can put it up there. Um, but it compares Gatorade or Squencher, which is another one on the fishing side, you know, as far as how much sodium and what all the other stuff is down there that they're adding to it to make it a more balanced recovery. Charlie and I were mixing uh, the hydration and recovery, which they call Superman. Yeah. Um, and hitting one of those most mornings before we'd go out, especially in the heat. But then we'd pound one right as soon as we got off the water. And if you've fished hard, you know, tournament fish. Yeah, you know. You, you don't you think lose. about it. Yeah, you, you don't know, think about eating. The, the hydration, you really go downhill. And if it's been a long, hot day and you're really dehydrated, on day two, you may not be playing at 100%. No, no, not at all. Or fo- focus, because you, you, you lose focus. When you get dehydrated, it's not, and you're, oh, you're fishing, you're casting. Well, no, you, you lose, yeah. you get fatigued mentally. Yep. And you lose focus. You you start not making a good cast, and that and if, especially if you're in a tight tournament, that could be yeah. cast. What you know, tie the hook, tie tie a good knot. Even. Right. And so, um, I've been talking. You know that I've been working with Troy Lindner on the camp fish stuff. He's well, a big fitness guy. He's a big fitness guy. He's personal trainer out in California. He trained the Scorpions for one of their tours. What, are, they, uh, are, they, are they rocky like a hurricane? They might be. Is that Rocky? Is I that, don't. I think I'm, that's. I'm, or is that? Is that poison? That's not poison. Oh, geez. anyway. I'm gonna get but, my. I'm gonna get my '80s bands mixed. Rock uh, but, hair metal mixed up. You know, another one that he trained, Amanda Beard. Okay. Yeah. For the Beijing Olympics, mm-hmm. so he trained an Olympic swimmer, and I said, Troy, Swimmer's try some no of joke. this stuff out. You know, and let me know what you think about it. I'm. This isn't my. You know. I, I I take it I really like it, but you're gonna you're gonna put it to a further test than I am. 
And that's and I'm I've been real curious into it because I've 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 dealt with supplements my my since I was in, in high school because I started out when I was in sports. Yeah. You know, I you you got on and it, the, the, there, there's creatine, protein powder, and stuff like that. And we were talking before, and I've always been interested in in the wilderness athlete. I've seen it out there. I've seen guys uh, guys in the industry use it, like Remy Warren, I believe, is is a, is, an, is a wilderness athlete. Yeah. And um, uh, Christy Rem- Titus is. Yeah, um, yep. Steve Ranilla, I think too is. I I, I don't want to stay for sure, but I, I thought I saw them. There, with, there's a lot. Of there's guys a lot of guys out yep. there. So I'm seeing it. So I, I see it. And then there's a lot of other companies out there too that are that are out there. So, but the biggest thing that I look at is like like this thing here is what what is in it compared to what the other yep. stuff. The things that she, that I see right away is sugar, and there's not a lot of sugar. I stay away from sugar as much as I can because sugar sugar's poison to me. Yeah. Po- it, it it'll kill you. So I, I see that sugar. I mean, and, and I love the fact there's not that much sugar in it. Yeah. And, but it's, there's more stuff to it. And what I look at is is that that meal replacement, like you said, when you're out there fishing, when I'm fishing, I don't even think about eating half the time. Yeah. I, I snack every now and then, but for the most part, I can go the whole entire day. And the people in my boat that go and fish the same way, they don't even think about eating. So that's a good good something to have. Hey, I'm hungry, but I don't want to eat, so I just well, pop him. it in there. And these energy things. So the biggest thing that me that I have my what my problem is with working out, or I, I do a lot of body weight exercises. Right. And um, I always have the recovery. That my recovery phase is what I'm. That's where I'm looking for. I, I did try a pre-workout stuff, but the post-workout stuff is where I'm really, I'm really interested in to get back up going. Yeah. And I think this energized. I like that energized here. The energy and focus. And the nice thing is they do come both in the tubs. We're showing this to the video side of stuff. Yep. Um, but they also come in these individual packets, and I love having this in the hydration well, I, and recovery. I just, I just saw you pop it in there, the, yeah. Out on the boat, yeah. I just saw you pop that in there, so I like that idea, and I'm I'm excited to learn more about the wilderness yeah. because supplements are big. Something that that for me, like I said, is I want to get I want to get my body back into where I have no problem my with my body filling me. You know, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. So I, I'm really interested in this wilderness athlete. And yeah, it's like I say, it's great product, and we've been able to work with the company and get a 10% discount um, if you put the code Fish in when you purchase it off their website, WildernessAthlete.com. And, and on we, top we of can that, use that here too. Yep. All right, there you go. See and you then five percent will also, on top of that, be donated to Camp Fish. There you go. So yeah. you're not only saving money. But you're helping an angler education program to get kids into fishing. I'm going to do that right now when I get home. Do I? Am I included in that? Can I yep. use that ten percent? Yes. So, so there you go. I mean, if you're there, they've got great videos. Then, uh, Mark is Mark was out at the sports show a couple uh, two years ago. Okay. Um, he's the one who is the coach, and like I say, he's he's been living this stuff, and he wrote an article uh, called "Wilderness Athlete." I want to say about 15 years ago which kind of started everything or maybe it was even back in the mid 90s a lot further than that okay um they kind of started that and that's when he started looking at the supplements because he understood that sportsmen are athletes too and we have to treat our body you know as and think of our body as as a piece of equipment that we need to make sure that we're treating it the best possible and a lot of us we don't have to go to the gym to get our workout if you're going chasing a bighorn sheep up and down the mountains and you're scouting all summer long and all that you're going to be in fantastic shape you don't need to go to the treadmill at the 24-hour fitness yeah you're true to, you don't, to yeah. burn your calories you're good but 
a lot of people when they're up there they don't think about all this and a lot of the stuff that mark was saying is a lot of these other things that they're adding in here aren't just for recovery but they're for joint health they're for tendon and ligament health and he understands how that all works and what all it goes into it and what needs to be there to create a quality product that's going to really help the the wilderness athlete yeah. the, the outdoors person the sportsman the sportswoman um, you know there's a lot of great people that are involved with this product and just go take a look give it a try and that's what I did I really liked the product I started talking to him and then you know I got some Troy tried it and you know I said hey I, I want to get your take because you've used a lot of these different more intensive workout supplements and and he's 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 knows nutrition too he yeah. knows what he's putting in his body so if if he put this in his body i mean yeah that just tells you right there so yeah i'm yeah i'm, I'm excited to look into that and uh and again um we're probably gonna wrap it up here pretty soon so uh, um there is we did on the facebook live show some lures from icast yeah we're kind of running short on time here at the location so we're gonna get kicked out if of you're here. from the podcast or the video, go look at the Facebook Live. There were some new lures from Storm and Rapala, and I'm making They're, sure that I have them all accounted for because Matt's been looking at them. I thought you said I, I could hold it. I don't know if he pocket. did some magician training. He was trying to palm hey, one of them I, I, earlier. I have no problem putting hooks in my pocket. I have no problem doing that. No problem. So, yeah, to check that out um, on, on the Facebook Live. It's Facebook Live feed if you want to see those lures. And uh, also, uh, I'll put all this stuff that you heard today, all the contact information. And again, we'll put that up there, but they can get a hold of you and ask if they have any questions. I'll put your contact information yep. on there, too. Um, again, uh, Brad Peterson, thanks for coming on and, um, and and sitting down with me and just talking about all this all this experience that you have, You're everything welcome. that you got going on. I'm excited, and I can't wait to see. And go to follow him on Instagram. What's your Instagram? Uh, Brad P Outdoors. Brad P Outdoors, um, and uh, also Facebook is yep. is Brad, Brad Peterson. They, they can like Brad Peterson yep. Outdoors and go like your Facebook page on there. Follow all the stuff. I'm sure he's going to be posting a lot of stuff. Yep. Um, uh, from actually, out there, there's if you can going to be getting a new camera and getting some footage. Oh yeah, that's that, right. You just telling about that new camera. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're going to be getting out it's, there, getting new video footage. Um, like I say, there's several of the guys yeah. from the Camp Fish alumni we're going to be fishing with. Uh, the, there's even a chance pretty good chance i might be out on the water with al and al 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 linder i mean if you had know anything about in fishermen and you know anything about what the angling edge they got now it's it, i mean anybody says it, al if linder, you look if you at fish, the history just you know between the the lindy lures you know the, the original lindy, lindy rig the barnstorming tours i, I feel the, like they started everything like there's there's a tree that they have all kinds of branches that go out from their tree I, sure. I feel like I am a branch from their tree. Oh, I, you know, I can see it. So in the northern country, you know, there was most a lot of the people came through them, or they helped out along the way. For sure. So check all that stuff out, and uh, whatever, whatever Brad sends me some stuff, I'll share it on the the Outdoor Ed uh, page and the Instagram page. But um, yeah, thanks for coming on again, Brad, and um, we look forward to having you again later on. Talk about some waterfowl, maybe. Yeah, we may Talk even try to teach fishing. you how to call ducks. You know, i I can do I can do geese. You know, but the gut, the, the, I don't know. I might that might uh, might tick my wife off because once I figure out a new call, I'm in the house. 
Blowing, those are always blowing, blowing those suckers. Go find so. a closet with a bunch of clothes and blow <laughs> into that. Maybe I get all the clothes she's got and just, you know, put on time and say, well, I'm, I'm practicing. So, yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait for that. Uh, but, uh, again, thanks for coming on, Brad. Um, any last closing thoughts from you? No, just get out and enjoy the outdoors. And if you get a chance, you know, take a kid or someone new. It doesn't need to be a kid. Maybe okay. it's your neighbor, uh, a lady who wants to get out fishing. Um, or you know who else loves to get out? Maybe it's your old retired neighbor who's there you go. by themselves and, you know, has a tough time getting out They and loves to fish. Just try to get out and take someone with you. Yep, definitely. So, again, uh, real quick, I'd like to thank uh, uh, the uh, Brittany here at, at uh, Cabela's in, the Thor- in Thornton, the Thornton store, uh, for letting us uh, use this room here to uh, sit down and record this podcast. I thank you. Appreciate that very much. And uh, last thing for me, like I always close the show, um, get out. Get outside and do it. Uh, And if you're not winning, you're learning. So thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Hey, just something. I told him about Papa Nam I was coming to the mountains to trap the mountain man. Acted like they was a gut shot. Says, son, make your life go here. Here's where the people's is, and the mountains is for animals and savages. I said, Mother Q, the Rocky Mountains is the marrow of the world. By God, I was right.